is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Ten years ago, a motion picture became the most notorious cult movie of all time. Predictably, the French called it a masterpiece. The name of this legend of cinema. The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It was so stupid, so cheap, such a piece of steaming dog flop. You think it would have attracted horse flies. Never an audience. Now, get ready to sit on your intelligence once again. They made the sequel, The Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Guess what? It's a lot better. It had to be. As you remember, ten years ago, mankind was threatened with the greatest red menace of all. Angry, merciless, killer tomatoes. We were only saved thanks to the heroism of a brave handful of untalented actors. Are you Rob Lowe? No, they're back. This time, we shall not fail! <laughs> a mad scientist. My tomatoes can be made to resemble... That's right, everybody. We're back, and so apparently are the killer tomatoes. That's right, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. This is a, this is this is the obscure this is one of the obscure <laughs> episodes of movies that most people that listen to this have never seen. So I am I am you should be you're going to thank me after you watch it. Mm. That we have blessed your life with the knowledge of the se- the first of four sequels to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That's right. Return of the Killer Tomatoes right here on AZ, 80s revisited if I could talk with me your host <laughs> Trey Harris and the killer to my tomato producer extraordinaire Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. So yeah, now Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I think this is a forgotten franchise, as far as I'm concerned, because I, I I can't tell you the last time I heard this mentioned in a meme in social media, like anywhere. Like it's just kind of it is totally dead. But for a brief shining moment, this series exploded. And the funny thing is, it didn't explode. It, it, the, the original became a cult classic, don't get me wrong. But the franchise started with this one. Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, April 22nd, 1988. IMDb gives it a criminally low 5.2. Rotten Tomatoes, f- I think like four critics reviewed it. 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. However, 49% audience. So that tells you, ha- either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. But we'll talk about it. Uh, the budget was estimated at $1 million. Uh, couldn't find any information on the opening. However, it did domestically gross five... or Actually, the, the entire gross of the film, so that's worldwide included, actually, is $5 million. So it, def- it quad- uh, quintupled its budget. That mean, I mean, hey, that's a success any way you cut it. It was directed by John DeBello. Uh, he did all the Killer Tomato movies, all four of them. Uh, there was Attack... In, I think, 70... I got it in my notes. Let me find it. 70. Da, 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 da. 78. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and then this one in 88. And then you had The Killer Tomatoes Strike Back in 1991, followed immediately the next year by The Killer Tomatoes Eat France. I have not seen either of those two. And I don't know if I want to because this one, spoiler alert, is really good. Is <laughs> really funny. And I, and I don't think the other two are going to live up to how good this one is. Uh, this is definitely a case where the sequel is for sure better than the original, uh, to me, undeniably. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, it was written by uh, Stephen Andrich, Costa Dillon, 
who, along with John DeBello and uh, who's the director, also wrote all the Killer Tomato movies. Is basically all they did. And then also J. Stephen Peace, who helped write Killer Tomatoes One, Two, and Part Four, which is Eat France. Uh, cinematography was by Victor Liu. He, the only other thing he did was Killer Tomatoes Strike Back, and uh, Stephen Welch, who pretty much only did that movie. And it starred Anthony Stark with an E on the end. So is it Stark K? Anthony Stark K? Not sure. Mm-hmm. As Finn Letter. Uh, he was also in Repossessed, the parody of uh, The Exorcist in the 80s, I believe it was. Uh, and he did a lot of TV. He was in The Flash, uh, Cheers. Speaking of Cheers, R.I.P. Kirstie Alley passed away yesterday. Uh, the Spider Scientology beliefs and pro Trump stuff. You know, R.I.P., <laughs> whatever. Uh, also, woo, woo, already, already. Uh, anyway, and he also starred an episode of Briscoe County Jr. with the man, the myth, the legend. Bruce Campbell. Now, the now the reason I the I'll be honest with you, the main reason I rented this movie repeatedly as a kid is Karen Waldron as Tara. My God, when I was a kid, she was the most beautiful woman in the world mm-hmm. for a period of time. One hundred percent, not even joking. The second you see her in this movie, I'm just like oh my! And the second I saw her again as an adult, happily married with a kid, I'm just like <laughs> oh my God! I forgot how beautiful this woman was it awoke all sorts of old memories inside of me so to speak but she had a brief uh non-named role in space cowboys with uh tommy lee jones and clint eastwood and she did a lot of tv episode of coach uh some baywatch nights which i never watched baywatch days either so i can't say anything about that also starred steve lundquist as igor uh he was in earth girls are easy with jeff goldblum and jim carrey and he did return in killer tomatoes three and four and speaking of returning to the franchise, got a couple of the OGs. J. Stephen Peace was Lieutenant Finletter. He's the one with the parachute from the original. Uh, and strangely enough, he stopped acting and was elected to the California State Assembly in 82 and continued serving in that body until he moved to the State Senate in 93. <laughs> so he went from a cult classic movie to politics. So that's a, you know... <laughs> Uh, I, I I should have looked it up. I mean, I wonder if he used any, like, he fought Killer Tomatoes, and now he <laughs> wants to fight for you. If not, miss the goldmine. Although, I'm sure in the uh, early 80s, movie references in politics weren't very uh, looked upon. <laughs> and starring Hollywood royalty, John Astin as Professor Gangrene, the OG Gomez in The Addams Family, and of course, Sean Astin's dad, and a legendary actor to, in his own right, and... I think possibly in the first appearance on this podcast, to my that I can think of offhand, George Clooney as Matt. Of course, Batman and Robin, Peacemaker, ER, The Ocean's 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, however many of those they've made. You know, fantastic actor. Uh, but in this one, in this film, this might be his best movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious, but like as far as his, like he he had some good comedic chops and. I can't think of another comedy movie that he's done. He's, you know, Clooney's ma- mainly been a really serious uh, Batman and Robin, I guess. Uh, but you know, he's predominantly a pretty serious actor. Uh, Minister of Goats was kind of a comedy for sure. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. But nothing, nothing. I mean, this Return of the Killer Tomatoes is parody. It is airplane. It is hot shots. It's you know basically parodying. It's a sequel parody to an original parody that was you know in the throes of in the in the post jaws era of cinema you know with uh you know uh, creature feature kind of thing but 
creature veggies in terms of this franchise. But yeah, George Clooney in this, he is amazing. You can definitely see uh, from his, kind of like Tom Hanks in Mazes and Monsters, you can see that his performance in this, obviously he was, you know, what a catch they got for this film. But you could also see that there was some real true, true talent there uh, behind the performance. But yeah, as I mentioned before, this is a movie that I rented a lot as a kid. Uh, mainly because it was always in, so nobody rented it. <laughs> and uh, this, and also there was the cartoon, which we'll talk about in a little bit. That was that uh, was spawned from this movie. The original film didn't spawn the media blitz. This one did. Uh, this is definitely a VHS era movie. It's a cult classic, much like Tremors, in, in the same kind of sense. You know, released a couple years later, uh, to where didn't make that much money in the box office, but the second it hit VHS. Boom. Exploded. Cult hit. Cult classic. Uh, and you know, Tremors is still a franchise to this day to make that uh, connection further. And Kill Tomatoes isn't. But Tremors never had a cartoon series, a comic book, and, well, they had a lot of sequels. So they got that. But yeah, uh, this movie is just, it's absurd. It is completely ridiculous, which is fine because the advantage this movie has, and what I think what the good parody movies have, like Airplane, like Hot Shots, uh, and some some of the scary movies to where they know that it's parody and everybody involved knows that it's parody and every aspect of the f- script, the production is all on board like this is a parody. We're not trying to do anything serious here. This is about having fun, being ridiculous and this movie succeeds in every way. If you have not seen this movie, I absolutely recommend it and if you haven't seen it in a long time... I recommend revisiting it for sure. Uh, it's still, it, honestly, I laughed. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't. Re- the, the main thing I always remember from this movie was that music turns them into tomatoes, turns tomato people in back into tomatoes or into different things, and that uh, the character of Tara was absolutely gorgeous. That's all I remembered. Then watching it, I mean, it was this movie is absolutely hilarious. It is fourth wall breaking constantly, but in a good way. Uh, in fact, I'm willing to bet Mike Myers ripped off Wayne's World, uh, ripped off the gag about the product placement in Wayne's World. You know, it's like people <laughs> just sell out for money. Oh, quiet, Garth. I got a headache. Here, take two of these. That whole scene, I guarantee you, <laughs> I think he stole from this movie, from the product placement part. I won't spoil too much about that. But again, highest possible recommendation. If you like comedies, if you like parodies, this, and you haven't seen this, this is an undiscovered gem. And underappreciated. This is a bona fide cult classic. I've seen the original Attack of the Killer Tomatoes maybe twice in my life. Uh, I never enjoyed it anywhere near as much as I enjoyed this one. Uh, and the brilliance of Return of the Killer Tomatoes, to me, is that I enjoyed it a lot as a kid. Like I said, rented it a lot. But watching it recently, like, I'd be up for, like, if, let's say, Jesse, if I was still in Louisiana, I'm like, Jesse, I'm going to come over. Let's watch Turn to Kill Tomatoes. <laughs> like, I would be totally up for watching this movie again right now. That's how, uh, again, this is, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, 49%. This movie is not for everybody. But, like I said, at the start of the podcast, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. And if you love it, there's a lot to love here. You just, again, this is meant to be stupid. It is meant to be silly. And it succeeds Beyond expectations in that regard. Uh, so when you see something that's stupid, and like your your first thought shouldn't be like, "Oh, that's stupid." Your thought should be, "That's freaking hilarious," because that's that's the whole the entire aesthetic of this movie. 
and it kills it. Like the, not every, again, not every joke lands. Don't get me wrong, but when it's funny, it is funny, and it, it holds up for a movie in '88 here in 2022. Uh, thirty something, uh, thirty four years on, still great, still hilarious. I recommend it, and it's a damn. I don't want to spoil. Uh, stay at for the credits. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because, <laughs> but I'm I, I'm really disappointed that the end credit stinger is not where the series went and they stuck with killer tomatoes instead of what happens at the end of the credits. So yeah, uh, Jesse, have you ever been fortunate enough to see the movie Return of the Killer Tomatoes? Nope, don't believe I have seen it. I'm going through it now on YouTube. Uh, it's not greatest quality, but if you want to watch it in a pinch, you could watch the whole thing on YouTube. Uh, don't think I've seen this one. But we talked off the air. You are very familiar with the cartoon that was spawned off of this movie, which had the same characters. Uh, the character Tara's in it. Uh, John Aston's character, Professor Gangreen's in the cartoon as well. Uh, so tell me about like your experience with the cartoon, because you, you remembered more about it than I did, <laughs> actually. Yeah, it was uh, one of those early Fox cartoons. Um, and this is one I just, some reason I was just, I don't know, it sticks out to me as a great memory because I would, like, draw the characters from it, which wasn't too hard because they were just tomatoes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you saying that they turned into, like, uh, or I read that they, like, turned into human or something like that. For some reason I don't remember that in the cartoon, but I just remember their tomato form and they all had, like, different personalities and stuff like that. Yeah, well, of course, in the movie, not to spoil the end of the movie, but Tara gets cured of being a vegetable in yeah. the movie. That's not a big spoiler. Mm -hmm. Again, the, you know, I could spoil this entire movie, and it would not take away from the enjoyment because it's so ridiculous. But, uh, oh, God, this, again, we're just watching. Oh, eight-year-old Trey was so in love with her. Oh, God. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. But yeah, the cartoon ran for two seasons. Yeah. So uh, that's, you know, and again, I think it was, uh, I thought I put down the number of episodes, but I didn't. But I mean, uh, it was a significant number of episodes because seasons back then were longer than seasons today for shows where, you know, it's typically eight to 10 episodes is a season, kind of along the British model of television as opposed to, you know, the X Files, where every season had like 24 hour long episodes, mm. uh, which is great. Tons of content. But when you try to revisit those series, it takes a long time <laughs> to get through them. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know, the, this franchise, I'll get, well, there's not too much trivia on it, uh, about this, so I'll kind of get to that first real quick, just a couple of things, and then about the series as a whole. Uh, but Steve Lundquist, who played Igor, he also appeared in a Vidal Sassoon ad in the issue of Playboy that's in the movie that George Clooney holds up. Kind of a weird meta thing there. Not that they show it and thing, but he's in that thing. And this is this is strange. This is like true crime in Hollywood kind of thing. Gary Condit, Condit, excuse me, uh, was a patron in the pizzeria scene, uh, and he was basically J. Stephen Pierce, the the actor from the original, and this one who went on to politics, was a friend of Condit's, and they were both members of the California State Assembly. And Condit became a household name in 2001, if anybody remembers, when Chandra Levy, his intern and mistress, mysteriously disappeared while running through the park. And uh, ended his political career, I, I believe. Uh, but, you know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of suspicious stuff in that case. You might want to Wikipedia it if you don't know it, uh, and see what and form your own, formulate your own opinion on that. I'm sure Netflix might have a true crime thing on it eventually, because <laughs> they're going, they're work they're starting in the '80s and kind of working their way up with all the uh, the big name 
uh, news headlines and all that. But anyway, now the series as a whole, that's all the trivia, by the way, not too much about it. Unfortunately, I was hoping there'd be a ton of it because I, I want to know what happened with it, like the, all the stories about this movie. But uh, again, the original in 78, three sequels, cartoon series in the early 90s that ran for two seasons. And it was, again, not inspired by the original, but inspired by this movie. Uh, there was an 8-bit computer game, an NES game based on the animated series, a comic book adaptation, and strangely enough, a Greek film was made as an homage called Attack of the Giant Moussaka in 1999. In 2008, there was talk of a remake. Never got off the ground. Now, remake of the OG, not the return. And then in 2018, there was talk about a reboot, and supposedly it began filming in 2019, and that's where the Wikipedia article ends, but, you know, a few months later, we had COVID lockdown. I imagine it's there's nothing else on about it on any of the social media, uh, internet that I could find. I imagine it's dead or just on hiatus. Even if it began filming, maybe it was just shelved. A lot of that happened thanks to the pandemic. Uh, but anyway, score-wise, uh, I, I seriously, as much as I despise mazes and monsters, I love this movie. <laughs> Uh, there is nostalgia here. Don't get me wrong. There is nostalgia, but if you only saw the first one, like, and honestly, I think the first one's really kind of dumb, like, not entertaining. I mean, it's worth a watch to see it, but it's really not. The first one's not my cup of tea. Not my type of humor. Part two, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, fantastic. I give it a seven point five. I think it's Ooh. hilarious. It's uh, it. This is a true. Again, I think I said earlier, it's this is a legitimate like diamond in the rough movie that if if you meet if you're out talking about movies and like you know with a group of people and it comes up like oh, what's a movie you think nobody's ever seen that you love, I would mention this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if somebody said, "Oh my god, dude, that's the funniest movie," like we are immediately friends. Like if if you meet somebody that likes this movie, <laughs> uh, for me. That's how much I enjoy it. But again, it is that it, that score is inflated a bit because of the nostalgia of it. However, I do stand by it without that because watching it recently, it's still pretty funny. And it's great. And honestly, I wish George Clooney would do more just absurd type stuff. He's good at it. He's a good kind of straight, uh, not, a, not necessarily the straight man, but in, the, in terms of a comedic like movie, but... Uh, you know, kind of like Val Kilmer in, in Top Secret, that same kind of uh, role, like, you know, serious but maintaining the, the funny at the same time, which I think is very difficult and a lot of people can't do in parodies. Uh, like, for example, uh, like Lloyd Bridges can do it, Leslie Nielsen can do it, they can be serious but funny at the same time. George Clooney can do it. You wouldn't know it unless you saw this movie. And this is one of his early movies. Uh, kind of like uh, Tom Hanks, you know, doing comedies in his early days and not doing anything, not really doing, touching that genre too much lately uh but Clooney just flirted with comedy with this one and then again with his filmography hasn't done too much but uh underrated like as a comedic actor like uh and of course not one you think of you wouldn't think of like oh we we need we need a big actor we can get any actor we need for this comedy who should we get nobody's gonna think of George Clooney (laughs) but I'm telling you watch this movie he's great he's great like if you got you pair him and somebody else be fantastic uh I think uh and I think if you watch this you'll you'll probably agree and as a kid, I always wanted a little fuzzy uh, tomato. J, whatever his name was, TJ, whatever his name is. <laughs> and I forgot his name. The little fuzzy tomato. But as a kid, like I was like, oh, he's so cute. I want one of those. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> see how stupid it is. <laughs> Again, we're watching like it's on. Uh, we're watching it as we're uh, talking. But yeah, so if you haven't seen it, 
check it out. I'm serious. It's if 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 a lot of my recommendations tend to fall in your wheel your wheelhouse when you're watch uh, when you watch movies that I recommend, then I think you'll like this one. Uh, if not, hey, not my fault. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in the real world, again, this released April twenty second, nineteen eighty eight. A couple of interesting things happened around this same time. Well, one one event and then a couple of very notable notable births around this time. On uh, six days later, on April twenty eighth. Now, a lot of people might have heard about this and maybe thought it was a joke or maybe an urban legend, but this actually happened. It was Aloha Airlines Flight 243. Now, that's, I don't know if you heard, anybody heard this when they were a kid, but, you know, oh, there was a plane and the, and the roof ripped off and the stewardess got sucked out. Yes, that's real. That actually happened if you always thought that was just an urban legend or a myth. It was Aloha Airlines Flight 243. It safely landed after losing its roof in midair, which, and, it, and it's terrifying. <laughs> It sucked out the flight attendant, and it injured 65 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go on Wikipedia, you can see pictures of it. I mean, how terrifying. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't even imagine. That's just that is one of the most terrifying things I could ever think of to be in. It is a miracle. An absolute miracle that only one person died. And that the plane was able to land safely. Because I don't know about y'all, but when I'm on an airplane... I leave my seatbelt on the entire time, like they tell you to do, because <laughs> stuff like this can't happen. <laughs> so whenever you're traveling by plane, you can loosen it a little bit, but keep your seatbelt on, please. <laughs> but uh, they never found the wreck, the top of the plane, and they never found, uh, unfortunately, the flight attendant's body. Uh, but again, only 65 people injured, only one fatality. That's a miracle, by based on, simply upon what happened, you know. Uh, but the plane, the the main cause was, if I remember correctly, from the Wikipedia article, it was just it was an old plane, it was just like 19 years old, mm. and just over time, uh, basically because it was flying to the Pacific repeatedly for 19 years, the salt, you know, the the different climate, the salty, the salt, the, uh, the uh, corrosion and all that that it comes from, like you know, flying over the Pacific Ocean for 19 years, uh, just led to, you know, structural failure, and it's again, it's just an absolute miracle. That that's all that happened, and that they the credit to the pilots, they were able to safely land the plane with the top half of it ripped off. Wow. And again, check out the pictures online; pretty terrifying. Uh, and then, born, uh, let's see, five days after this movie premiered, Lizzo, uh, notable singer, songwriter, and rapper, and flutist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and three days after that, Ana de Armas, Cuban actress from uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and played Marilyn Monroe in Netflix's Blonde. Which is uh, haven't seen it yet, but apparently is rated X, if I remember correctly from the hubbub about it. So yeah, that gives you a little timestamp of what happened in the world around the time this movie came out. Definitely the best thing that happened, in addition to Lizzo and Anna Darmas being born, was Return of the Kill Tomatoes hitting <laughs> theaters. Uh, but anyway, Back to the Future this week. I saw a lot since we last recorded, Jesse. Wow. Uh, did you get a chance to see Clerks Three? I did. Okay. Uh, let's save that one for last. <laughs> All right. I did get to see Black Adam, however, and I know you saw it earlier and talked a bit about it. Yep. And honestly, I didn't hate it. I thought I was gonna. I thought it was gonna be garbage, just typical DC. Uh, but honestly, I kind of enjoyed it. However, I think that's because I went in with expectations set very low. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a reason. Uh, but a lot of stuff you talked about, I, I definitely agree with. Uh, I thought the whole catchphrase thing, actually, that whole little like thread 
joke line. I think that actually kind of paid off for me <laughs> when it happened, uh, especially when we would say it late and stuff. I think uh, I, I, I will say this: I, I thought The Rock was going to be The Rock in it. I think he actually did a pretty good job of being of maintaining the character of Black Adam throughout it for the most part. Uh, I do think the uh, spoilers for Black Adam from for the next couple of minutes. I thought the whole end thing where he was escaping prison mm-hmm. uh, and basically he died because he swam out from under the Arctic Circle as a human being and just and to say Shazam, yeah, uh, he should have died. I thought that was stupid. <laughs> uh, that, that part was, I mean, again, it's a superhero movie. There's a lot of ridiculousness in it. Don't get me wrong, but that part just was like, this is dumb. Why don't he just say Shazam there and just fly out? We didn't need this whole scene of that. That was honestly my biggest complaint with it. Pierce Brosnan killed it. I like the dude that played Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and again, I think I think I, honestly, I I I was I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. But honestly, I think that's because I went in expecting not to like it at all. But uh, hmm. I thought it, it surprised me. It surprised me. There was again a lot. There was crin- super cringe moments. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But uh, it, I did not, like I said, you know, I, I think I would have expected to give it like a four. I'd give it a five, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was, it was a bit better than I thought. I'll give it that. Uh, let's see. I got a lot here <laughs> that I saw. Uh, I saw The Woman King with, um, oh, my God, Amanda Waller, Viola Davis. Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Uh, beautifully shot. Uh, some good action. Uh, if, if you like historical dramas, I definitely recommend it. Viola Davis was awesome in it. I think she's one of those. I mean, she's won a lot of awards, but I still think people kind of sleep on her as far as like how good of an actress she is. And uh, John Boyega was in it too. He was really good. Uh, then let me see. I saw a couple of Christmas movies. Uh, I saw the the Christmas Story, the new one mm-hmm. with uh, where Ralphie came back. Meh. Meh. <laughs> That's what I'm was, anticipating, just, but I keep seeing the IMDb scores be like 6.8. I'm like, really? No, no. Uh, no, I, I like the first one. I enjoy the first one. They, they try to recapture that, and it, it just, it's not the same. Uh, and it's, it, it's got some good moments if you like the first one. I don't want to spoil anything until after you see it. Uh, it's, it, it's worth watching, but I'll probably never watch it again. Yeah. I'll watch the original. I'll... I don't need to watch this one again. Kind of like that 8-Bit Christmas last year with Neil Patrick Harris. Worth a watch, but I don't think I'll ever watch it around Christmas again, except maybe when Violet's older. I don't know if she wants to watch it. Uh, a couple other Christmas movies I saw. This is an older one. It's an older horror movie called ATM, where some people get stuck in an ATM booth from this dude stalking him outside. Uh, sounds silly. Starts off good, and then it gets ridiculous. Uh, and then last night, I watched a movie from last year called Silent Night with Kira Knightley. And the guy that plays uh, Ozymandias from the Watchmen uh, movie with Zack Snyder. Uh, thought it was a horror comedy. Uh, it is a bl- it's, it's actually a black comedy that's more depressing than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're in a good mood, I don't recommend... Overall, I think it, it's an interesting movie. But you need to know going into it that it's it's got a couple of funny jokes, but it is a dark movie in that regard. Uh, good score. Great score. Uh, interesting premise, but uh, you know, have a comedy. You know, uh, watch uh, if you're gonna watch it, have like Scrooge or something or Ernest Saves Christmas to watch after it to pick you up because it's it is depressing as hell. Uh, 
And I wish I would have known that going into it. And lastly, the best movie that I've seen, uh, aside from Clerks 3, which we'll talk about, uh, is Bullet Train. I don't know if you caught that one. I know it just came out on Netflix uh, with Brad Pitt, uh, the uh, Kick-Ass, I forget his name. Yeah. Uh, uh, Quicksilver, you know the actor. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the first Quicksilver, I guess I should say, before uh, Ethan Peters took over. Uh, but anyway, highest possible recommendation, Bullet Train. It's uh, from the director of John Wick and Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2. It's, uh, you know, John Wick is like serious, like professional action. It's kind of the word, you know, like he does like thing, you know, a lot of the stuff John Wick does is like what, like a somebody as that character would do. Like, oh, he knows this model gun jams a lot. So he double checks that it's not jammed. Little things like that. Atomic Blonde was a hyper realistic 80s movie. This one is a action comedy. And it is fantastic. The action is incredible. Uh, the story is great. Visually, it's stunning. And it's just a fun, good time. Highest possible recommendation for Bullet Train. Uh, it's on Netflix now, like I said. So give it a watch. It is incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. And it makes a good follow-up for with uh, a, good, a good double feature. would be watch Bullet Train and then watch The Lost City with Sandra Bullock. Believe, believe me, they go together. <laughs> Leave it at that. But uh, now let's talk about the big one. One of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Surprisingly, like never would have expected it, but Clerks 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been talking a lot, Jesse. I'll let you start with Clerks while I refresh my vocal cords with a cold beverage. Well, Clerks 3, uh, if you've been keeping up with Kevin Smith's career, Clerks was... His movie about his life at that very moment, and I think the Clerks series pulls away from that in part two. It's not so much about his mm-hmm. life. It's a separate story about uh, the characters' lives. And then we go back to three, and I feel like it goes back to telling more so a parallel of Kevin Smith's life. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening that are word for word from people he knew or knows Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he puts himself in the in the shoes of Randall, and uh, yeah, and but you know takes it takes them both for a journey, his journey plus the character's journey, and um, I thought it was a very fitting story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I read other reviews that said otherwise, but you know, there's a lot of people that would agree with me that it was a good movie, <coughs> and yeah, um, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just, uh, it didn't have to be this laugh-out-loud funny movie that people wanted. Um, I don't think it was meant to be that. I think uh, we had to bring these characters somewhere relatable for the writer. And uh, mm-hmm. and this is where it was. And yeah, there were many uh, emotional moments. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So spoilers from now on. So you've been warned. I recommend you watch it before you listen to the rest of the podcast if you haven't seen it. Yeah. But yeah, I, but, I just uh, picked yeah, it up uh, on Amazon. You know, I think I did it like while we were recording last time. And I think you mentioned it while you were doing it too. Yeah. But uh, you, I think you did it on the head because I didn't expect it to be emotional. I mean, I expect, you know, I expected it to be as emotional as Kevin Smith could be. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, if that makes sense, hundred percent agree with you. You know, Clerks one autobiographical, autobiographical, yeah. one of the most. I mean, Clerks one, you know, to, in my life is one of the most important movies in my life 
because of just how much, you know, when it came out, it was a huge deal. It was a cult classic, and it, I mean, it made him famous, rightfully so, because, I mean, the original Clerks, is, it's an amazing movie. If you've ever had to work, if you have, it, it's so relatable, and maybe it's not relatable to younger people today. I don't know that you know that's kind of the big thing about it. Like it, it's definitely a, the original Clerks is such a snapshot, I think, of that time. Uh, or for our generation, I guess would be, might be a better way to put it, uh, because I mean things change so fast, and they, and as they show in Clerks three, which is so so amazing, you know, like you know Jay and Silent Bob, you know, they still like to deal, even though it's legal, they still like to deal. Like no, <laughs> yeah. man, that's how we did it in the nineties, bro. <laughs> you know, and uh, a lot of and. A lot of I usually don't like that in movies, but I really think it worked in this movie. Just showing, you know, again, I grew up with with Clerks. You know, the same. Oh, I was a couple years younger than these guys, but same, roughly same kind of age group. You know, I worked at I worked at Winn Dixie and retail and all that, so it was just like, yes, people are just like that. Uh, you know, like exactly like you said, Clerks too. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's it's fine. You know, it's not it doesn't touch the original, but this one going. Going into it thinking like, okay, Clerks three, and I know it's, it's kind of autobiographical. And I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, you know, oh, he's gonna have a heart attack. Randall's gonna have a heart attack, yeah. and then it's gonna be typical Clerks. But I, I am not gonna lie. When this movie, watching the end of this movie, I was crying. <laughs> I had, I had tears coming down on both of my cheeks. This movie hit me so hard. Yeah. With the ending, uh, and it was just like. Like serious, like I'm, I've got chills right now. I mean, it was I. I did not again, kind of like almost like the Black Adam thing, like not what I expected. And it's just like you know, and it, it, when it's happening at the end, it's like no, like no, please, no, please. I was like, no, please don't do this, <laughs> don't do this. And he did it. But I mean, and it, you know, of course, I mean that's I think that's the brilliance of it. I think that it it, it does that. And goddamn, I mean, it's it legit. Like it shook me. I was like, oh my god, like. Like oh, like it was. I was depressed. I was sad. I was so sad. Yeah, me too. And and you know, and these and you know, I mean, the guy, uh, the guy that played Dante, he's done some other stuff. Brian O'Halloran, mm-hmm. and then the guy that played Randall. You know, they're they're mainly Kevin Smith regulars, but in this movie, they acted their asses off. Mm-hmm. Like see, like even the first one, it's very like character. You know, this is you know the character of Dante, the character of Randall. Even Jay and Silent Bob were great, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and I now again, I grew up with Clerks. I love Clerks. I love Mallrats. I didn't care for Chasing Amy. Dogma's all right. Um, Jay and Silent Bob, their their first movie, I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like these. You know, they're not my. I understand why people like them. Yeah, but they were never my favorite part of his movies. You know, uh, however, the the second Jay and Silent Bob movie a couple years ago. That was filmed in New Orleans for some of it. That one, I, I thought that one was great with the whole father daughter thing. I think Kevin Smith has matured so much as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, it's not, I don't think he's underrated. I think he's, I think he's under, maybe underrated is co- the correct way to say it. But in terms of that, you know, people just think of him as, oh, he's that, oh, he made the, the, the Jay and Silent Bobby. No, like clerk, like watch clerks. It's not just, you know, they're just ancillary characters. Until Mallrats, basically, Mallrats is what made them. You know, that's what everybody wanted to see more of. I'd say, you know, and then uh, just with their their antics and that, where they really kind of stole the show, or even though they were supporting, they were in every part, every aspect of Mallrats. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, like this movie was so good. Like, did not expect it. 
like autumn did, uh, I watched it by myself, which is terrible because I was so sad. I was like, oh my god, because uh, she was putting Violet down and she just fell asleep in the bed with Violet. So they just you know they just slept in there and I'm just like watching, like, and it's over. I'm just like, I just let I just let the credits play. I was just like. You're, like my God, like like wiping the tears away, like Jesus, mm-hmm. this is this was so good. I, I like I'm not just saying like seriously, this movie was good, and and so unexpected. Did not expect my brother like he he saw it before me. He's like, hey, you seen Clerks three yet? I'm like, nope. He's like, you need to watch it. <laughs> you know, thankfully he didn't spoil anything. I'm like, okay, I, I plan on it. You know, it's not on high priority because you know I didn't care. You know, two was all right, but I mean like Kevin Smith like made it just such such believable characters and you know it's so rare i mean this is honestly this is this is you know clerks one is a comedy with maybe two percent drama yeah i guess clerks two is all comedy this one is a drama mm-hmm. with you know comedy sprinkled in to keep you you know kind of keep your mood like up but <laughs> yeah. i mean the whole like they just nailed the friendship like that ass, like especially the the older friendship that Dante and Randall have, like they he nailed it so good, and it's just like uh, it's it was so relatable. I can't I can't gush about it enough. Like it's easily in my top five of the year, like easily. Like the second it like oh and all all the callbacks, the old actors, yeah. and 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 the, and the beautiful thing, it, it's almost like watching a documentary, but also a movie. It's 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 so weird. Because you know when they're filming Clerks One within Clerks Three, a movie that I am intimately, you know, involved with in terms of you know knowledge of it and all that, how like how he's putting to to screen like the story, like this like when uh, Silent Bob speaks up, you know, in like the real reason he did it is in this movie, like you know, while they're filming it, it's so good. And the thing is, it starts at first. The, the genius, honestly, another, I say, I don't want to overuse the term genius, but he, such a, like, legitimately, like, this might be his peak movie, uh, in term, but I mean, it, it relies on the, his entire career to get here. You know, it's kind of yeah. like, uh, yeah. you know, Rogue One is so good because of Star Wars existing before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, I mean, the, the, the character development, the interactions, uh, the fact that you're basically watching a movie that is they're filming a remake of the first movie in this trilogy in the third movie, mm-hmm. but it works. It's not that they're, you know, it, fir- cause at first I was like, Oh, are they just going to rehash every joke from the original clerks? And I'm like, okay, they're, they're playing hockey on the roof already. Jay, it's on the bottom. Like, okay, this is very kind of like clerks two was to me, like very similar to the first one. Uh, and no, no, it's not like it, it, they'll have a scene that's like, Oh yeah, it's Julie's gum. It's a Julie's gum representative. But then the movie in Clerks Three, it's telling the story of how, of the fun, the hilarity of shooting that scene. So if anything, it enhances the first one. It adds to it. And like I said, I mean, if, if you never like Kevin Smith, you're not going to like this movie. It's not for you. Uh, but if if you know if you like the first Clerks, if I mean again, I mean I think it's it's st- the first Clerks is is amazing. It's still amazing. It's still a you know, it's an incredible film. He maxed out his credit card, sold his comic book collection. He believed in it. Everything you kind of see in this movie, and then you know where his where his career went, and then this movie is just almost like it's almost like a swan song. Like it's almost like Kevin just don't make another movie. <laughs> like you, you, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want him to, right? But uh, like I mean, like if anybody ever thinks that he's like a, sh- a shill or a sham or 
you know, just a stoner filmmaker or whatever. Like, no, like this movie proves all the all that wrong. And I could be off base here. I'm not gonna say that I'm like the the final word on it. Uh, again, because of my nostalgia and my passion for the original, and you know, like watching this movie, it inspired me to like do something. But typically, ten minutes later, <laughs> that feeling has faded, <laughs> and I'm back to where I was. You know, that that's my person. You know, unfortunately, that's my personality. But it it's it's good, and I want to you know actually I think I've, I've now talked about Clerks three more than Return of the Killer Tomatoes in this episode. <laughs> so if you're still listening, it because you've seen it, and not because you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, hope you know. Hopefully, you agree. If not, let us know. Eighties revisited at gmail.com. But uh, Jesse, what movies have you seen before I forget? Uh, I mean, I really new, haven't have you seen been much seeing other than your... this. Um, oh, I saw uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Mm. Me too, yeah. Yeah, and I, I want to say that's pretty much all I've seen. It was fine. It was it was the right amount yeah. of time. It was 45 minutes long. Um, yeah, I was hoping a little more out of it, but it was still, it it was still fine. Yeah, for 45 minutes, I knew what I was getting. I wasn't getting a full Guardians movie. So it was fine. Yeah, it was definitely... It was a one-day shoot It was definitely like PG. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, uh, what I was reading after the fact is they filmed at the same time they were filming Guardians 3, so it was just... Oh, extra few pages of script yeah. on the same set. Wow. But it was definitely a little more tamer James Gunn than I'm used to, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially at the Suicide Squad and his other stuff. It's still, still enjoyable. Uh, I was kind of shocked they did Kevin Bacon, though, because they always because in Guardian, in the series, there's always Hasselhoff. And Hasselhoff is a singer, so I was kind of expect, you know, glad to see Kevin Bacon, don't get me wrong, but I was kind of surprised that they went with him and then save him for like an MCU role, an actual role in the MCU. And just snag Hasselhoff. Maybe but Hasselhoff's hard to get. It was enjoyable. <laughs> Maybe I'm not going to be in those so stupid busy. movies. I'm I'm big in Germany. <laughs> I got I got sold out shows in Germany to do. <laughs> Wonder if that's still true. But yeah, the uh, German listeners, let us know. Hasselhoff still a big thing. <laughs> yep, let us know. Eighties visit at gmail dot com, <laughs> and of course on Facebook. At uh, uh, 80s Revisited Podcast on Instagram, 80s underscore revisited. Mm-hmm. Check out our friends Far and Wide, uh, Cajun Toy Review with John and Lafayette. And of course, TCW, Doom Slayer. They got a new pay per view, co- or I say pay per view. Uh, been watching too much wrestling. I did watch, uh, what was the last one? Survivor Series? War uh, Games. Yeah. War Games or whatever. Yeah. Which was, I'm, I'm, I am so glad they brought back War Games matches from WCW. Yeah. The WCW days. That Double was rings. That, in this, the, uh, but this again. I I I normally I normally just tune into wrestling for Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and then I just follow, like you know, verbally or all through YouTube channels, like what's going on. But that War Games match, the with the men, the ladies one was fantastic too. A couple of couple of little botches there, but it was still really entertaining. But the storytelling mm-hmm. in the men's match was really good. A level of storytelling in wrestling. Oh, what you talking about storytelling in wrestling? You got to watch wrestling to understand what we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, there is storytelling involved in matches. Uh, but I was imp- I was absolutely impressed with that story. I was like, again, just being a casual, you know, I say casual in terms of like, I mean, I don't watch Raw and SmackDown and AEW weekly. Just watch the big pay-per-views, like I said. But it was... It was impressive. I was really like shocked at the level. Like, I, it's a definite difference. The last pay per view I watched was last year's WrestleMania, when Vince was still in charge. 
you can definitely I can being casual and the level that I am at least I can definitely tell that uh, Triple H has done very good things <laughs> for WWE and everything. So although uh, I don't know, I'm still not the biggest Roman Reigns fan, but that match won me over a lot to his to the whole bloodline. Uh, Since Sami Zayn's been lot. involved, I think the bloodline thing has a little more layers right now um, than mm-hmm. it did before. Before it was just like, you know, we the tough people, we we beat everyone, <laughs> you know. And I, I keep hoping one day Sami Zayn's going to be the Jar Jar Binks of that thing and take it all down, <laughs> like un- unknowingly. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean it's typical wrestling would kind of lead to that thought, you know, but. Is he, you know, it just seems to me that, like, Reigns has had it for so long. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm casual armchair speculating here mm-hmm. that it, like, like it, I don't see Sami Zayn being big enough to, even though the story would, like, maybe lead to that. Like, you know, I don't he's know. He's not going to be the one to take titles that, I think he's going to be one that probably caused the loss. <laughs> the, when oh, the loss okay, God. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's... For sure, absolutely. Because I keep hearing all these rumors that the Rock's coming back, and like, don't do that. Don't have the Rock like win, like yeah. <laughs> the championship this day and age. No, he's got to be like in the corner or the guest referee or something, or or a non-title match. You know, do it after he reigns, loses one of the titles or something. I don't know. That's just me. Like, it's just, that's too because all the speculation I'm hearing is like, this is like, don't like this is this is not good. Like. We the the world has changed with wrestling to where you know kayfabe is is almost non-existent anymore. Like it's very thin mm-hmm. because of social media and like you know oh the plan is to have the Rock fight Reigns at WrestleMania because it's in Hollywood. Well, guess what? Well, if Reigns if Reigns is the champion, you just all you gotta do is backtrack it. That means the Rock has to win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> that means the Rock has to be at the Royal Rumble. That means whoever is fighting Reigns at the Royal Rumble is not gonna win. So it's just like it just leads to so much like. If A then B then C or have to happen. I mean, it's wrestling; things can change. But uh, that's that's actually that's the beauty of it. You know, there there is speculation, but every now and then, there's something that people think is really going to happen, and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. They they do kind of flip the script of, uh, sometimes. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, wrestling is still, you know, it's definitely more entertaining now than it was this time last year, for me at least. Uh, and I credit that to. To Hunter, oh Hunter, doing his thing over there, you know WWE. But anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, uh, TCW. They got a. Uh, I want. He want to say pay per view or or PLE as the WWE calls it now. Premium live events. But uh, they got a uh, a big event happening. In TCW. I believe Doom Slayer has the number one contender match. Fingers crossed. Our boy Doomy's gonna take it home. Be the number one contender for the TCW Championship. Uh, actually, I think Ben corrected me on something. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me make sure I'm not missing something here. This it would, it would also help if I had this in my notes. But, of course, we're a free form, and we just talk how we want to. <laughs> let me see. We do what we want. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, he had something. Oh, oh, he has... Oh, I, I, uh, I, mis, I misquoted Doomslayer's wins. Seven wins. I only said like I think I said like two or three. Uh, I was way off. I have to correct myself. Seven wins. Seven. Hoping for eight after this event for our good friend Ben down there in Tasmania. 
You might be the Doomslayer, Ben, but you'll always be the Tasmanian devil to me. <laughs> uh, wink, wink. Anyway, best of luck. Keep it up, man. You're doing everybody proud, all your fans around the world. You got fans around the world. So I'm not sure how many TCW stars can say that. I'm sure a couple of them can, but <laughs> do any of them have a podcast downloaded thousands of times every week? Maybe. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other. But uh, as always, everybody, leave a review, good or bad. If you leave a bad one, say why. And don't just say something off the top of your head because this is a podcast. Everything's recorded. We can play it. We can go to the tape. And do our old, what, were you, what was it? Uh, was it Sports Rewind? Oh, yeah. Is that it? Was it? Right. Or was it? Wait, that's an old episode reference there. Yeah. Back in the Daniel days. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, good or bad, leave a review. We're fine with either. But again, if you're going to say something negative or, or, you know, call us out on something, we can verify it if needs be. Just keep that in mind. So you might want to double check your facts before you leave one. And if we do something wrong, I'll own up to it. We all make mistakes. We're all human. Are we not? If you prick us, do we not bleed? Well, you, you don't know because I'm just a voice on the radio. On your stereo or your pods, whatever. But I assure you, I do bleed. And I'm old now, so uh, <laughs> it happens a lot easier than it used to. Anyway, enough jibba-jabba. What is this movie? <laughs> uh, Beast of the Southern Wild. You remember? Was that it? With the, I remember the movie. That's what I thought it was at first. I don't remember the giant pig. Yeah, the IMDb stuff. I only saw it once. from the Clerks 3 <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so just like... Because at first I'm like, that looks like Beast of the Southern Wild. And then it, was, then it showed the giant pig. I'm like, I don't remember a giant pig in it. Oh, yeah. Again, only saw it it's once. The Beast. The soundtrack, by the way, yeah, she's, she if you beast. like good soundtracks, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the soundtrack for that movie and the movie itself, the movie itself is phenomenal. The dad in it was fantastic. Mm. But the soundtrack, if you like scores, Beast of the Southern Wild, fantastic score. Uh, anyway, uh, that does it for us this episode. <laughs> Uh, let's see, it's December 6th, 2022. So everybody, happy holidays. Be safe. Uh, next week, I'm trying to find some Christmas movies that we haven't done and that other podcasts aren't doing at the same time because you know it's Christmas time. Most people try to do the same or end up doing the same stuff. Uh, so I'm trying to find some unique stuff out there to do, which I think we succeeded this week, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, because I sure as hell don't see anybody talking about it. So hashtag Return of the Killer Tomatoes, <laughs> hashtag cult classic, blah, blah, blah. But until next time, everybody, like I said, happy holidays, and I hope to remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Cowabunga!